Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 32, the Memorial Day special, Operation Overlord. We're doing World War II. We did Joan Arc on Wednesday. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to let myself have one here. We're doing World War II. It's Memorial Day. Do a little bit of American history. It's maybe my favorite, I don't know, one of my favorite uh, parts of American history. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a World War II guy. But I, I do like... Uh, I do really like the story, so I was like, "It's more. We're doing the special. Why? Why would you not? Just do. Just give yourself one. You're all right." So, Operation Overlord, if you don't know, is uh, also known as D-Day, um, but and also uh, specifically, we're going to be taking a look at the uh, at Omaha Beach, um, but Normandy in general. And Operation Overlord was the overall plan to invade Europe, um, and so I think the actual mission we're looking at is Operation Neptune, but I did make the title card and put Operation Overlord on there, and then I drew a map on that page too, so I was like, I'm not going to put, I'm not changing it to Neptune, dude, we're just going to go with Overlord, plus, if you ever play StarCraft, remember the, maybe like the Zerg houses, those big things with the legs, they were like, uh, they let you build more creatures, those were called Overlords, so I don't know, I've always liked the term Overlord uh, when I learned about it in World War II, so... The events we're going to be taking a look at took place on Tuesday, June 6, 1944, uh, and it was the Allied invasion of Normandy during World War II, and it, this is the largest seaborne invasion in, uh, in history. It's the largest, the uh, most amount of dudes on boats were like, fuck all that, and tried to go fight the most amount of dudes on land, and uh, I mean, this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, it did work out. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, totally smooth. If you, uh, we'll get into it. But the two teams who were playing here, one side is the Allies. Uh, that's the United States of America, also the United Kingdom. Canada got in on this. I didn't know about that. France, Australia, Free Czechoslovakians were fighting with us. Also, I like to take this time to stop and remind everybody about that time Yarmir Yager, uh, or that girl tried to blackmail Yarmir Yager. Remember that. And was like, because I think Yager was married, and then he slept with this other girl, and the girl was like, I'm going to put your picture on the internet if you don't do something. And then Yager was like, I don't give a fuck at all. <laughs> and he meant it. So, uh, Czechoslovakians got in on this. Also, the Free Poles, a couple Norwegians helped us out, and then a few New Zealanders got in on it. Okay. And then, uh, okay, so for the other team that was playing, uh, that is Nazi Germany. So, we could take a look at this amphibious invasion, like it's one big problem, and then you had to solve it a bunch of different ways, a bunch of little smaller problems, you gotta solve each of those, solve the big problem. So, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Well, Nazi Germany controls most of continental Europe. That's, uh, why are you even asking me? That's a huge fucking problem, dude. So, where we were at in World War II, when this takes place. So Nazi Germany did own most of Europe at this point in time. Now they got France because after they got, um, the Alsace Lorraine region, Czechoslovakia, all that other shit, then they did go and they got France super quick at the beginning of the war. And also Hitler gave himself credit for that. Uh, so how Nazis beat France really quick is that everybody thought that Germany was going to run the same play they ran in World War One, which is blast through Belgium, then come on down. But uh, tank technology had progressed to such a point where a couple of people uh, in 
the Nazi military were like, I bet we can get through the Ardennes. It, dude, it wasn't even Hitler's idea. Just some dude told Hitler about it, and then it was like a, it was like a long shot. It was like throwing a like a hook shot from way downtown. Like, there's no way that should go in, but it did work out. And then after that happened, so Nazi Germany owned France, but also Hitler gave himself credit for that. It was like I'm a fucking military genius, but it wasn't even his plan or anything. But he did have a huge ego about whether or not he was a military genius. Moving on from that, which is important, uh, and also this was after this takes place. After the Nazis made a hard run at Moscow. So Operation Barbarossa was when the Nazis were like, I'm going to the right and tried to get all of Russia. And they got pretty fucking close. Honestly, they got real close and then it got super cold. Well, a couple of things played a factor into why they didn't actually take Moscow. But one of the big ones is that it just got cold as shit. And Russia's so big, dude. Russia's so big. How are you going to keep supply lines going all the way to Moscow? Do you have any idea how far that is? Also, your your army wasn't even in one big arrow. It goes three ways. You try to take two other places, which I'm just, if you're going to take, boy, you know. Anyway, a lot, of, a lot of reasons for why that didn't work. But for the point of our story, when D-Day, Operation Overlord, commences, that Nazi offensive in, over to Moscow didn't work out, and the Russians are starting to fight back. And uh, I'm talking about Magnitogorsk. If you listen to episode six, the Russians don't care much. I mean, for the, for their own safety at this point in time, if you listen to the Magnitogorsk episode, what do you think? How how hard do you think those maniacs are running at you if you're the if you're Nazis? So Russians are coming back, coming back on the Nazis right now, but uh, that still doesn't help France at all. And especially doesn't help the Allies get a foothold because in the event that the Russians do run all the way to Berlin and then continue running and then absorb France, Italy, all that other shit, moving forward in a free world, it's going to be way harder to tell the Russians to get out of there if they already have military there. And nobody really knew if that was going to be able to happen or not. So not only to depose the Nazi regime from controlling France and most of Europe, should the Allies try to go and do, you know, Operation Overlord and get in on France. But also because if they don't, and then Russia wins the whole thing, that might be a mess getting Russia out of Europe. We don't really know how that's going to work out. At the beginning of the war, Stalin and Hitler were boys. Then they, you know, they double-crossed each other. So, like, at this point in time, the Allies are friends with Stalin, but it's also like, dude, I fucking know, like, two years ago, you were on this dude's team. So, like, I don't really want to let you get all of Europe. I can't trust you with that. So we... We, I mean, there's a series of problems there, but for the reasons stated, yo, we have got to puddle jump. We have got to go from England to France as soon as possible. So that's what we're dealing with. Also, part of the problem is that Hitler knew that we are going to try to hop over that little puddle and get into France. So he constructed or decided to construct the Atlantic Wall. And this is when Hitler was very much proud of himself for his uh, fucking conquering France. Or, well, again, dude, wasn't even your plan. But anyway, he thought he was like the greatest builder of fortifications in, in history. He said that shit, like publicly, which if I was in charge of the Atlantic Wall, anyway, so he, he thinks he's the best fortification builder of all time. So then he goes and he constructs the Atlantic Wall, which is a series of bunkers all the way up and down the French coast as far as it butts up against England because nobody really knows where the Allies are going to try to land at. But he's like, I'm going to build the whole thing. Now, the Nazis suspect the most likely place for the Allies to try to invade France at is a place called the Pas de Calais. We'll get there in a second, but let me finish up on the Atlantic Wall here. So, Hitler was like, build a bunch of bunkers. I know they're going to try to come in here. You got to do something about it. Also, he put... 
Erwin Rommel in charge of the Atlantic Wall, which if that name sounds familiar, he's probably the most famous Nazi general to come out of World War II, so you might have heard somewhere else. But also, in episode 18, Erwin Rommel was the Nazi general that Jasper Maskelyne, our, our magician, our magician in arms, went up against. And uh, so Rommel was tricked by the magician down in Africa. But before the we called in the big guns with the doves in their in their sleeves, Rommel was fucking shit up down there. So he did have a reputation of being a really great general as far as being able to get wins for Nazi Germany. So we know he's in charge of it. That's not good. Um, also, something else that the Allied forces will be up against when they land on the beaches uh, is a machine gun called the MG-42. And the Allied forces referred to this as Hitler's zipper because the thing shot so fucking fast that it didn't sound like da, 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 like a machine gun does. It sounded like a zipper. It sounded like tearing fabric. Like, like it sounded like nothing else on the planet because it was the fastest machine gun. Nobody had, this was a, um, I mean, the actual technology inside of the MG 42 was revolutionary regarding machine guns because the Germans figured out that if you put the bolt, which when you fire a machine gun the, or a gun in general, the bolt goes backwards and then it has to go back forward. I mean, it goes back to make space for the new round to come in and the bolt travels forward to be able to put that round and the gun goes off. Um, but the, or the Nazis figured out that if you put that bolt on rollers in that machine gun, the rate of fire, be, like, is and again, it's a revolutionary change. That An, an MG-42 could fire 25 bullets a second, which is more than double its Allied counterpart, which was the Browning rifle. So the Allies are up against that. So the, all the bunkers in the Atlantic Wall are stocked with MG-42s. Also, Erwin Rommel, again, people thought that it was going to come at the Pas-de-Calais, so Rommel was inspecting the Atlantic Wall, just going up and down, taking a look at what's going on here, where we got the telephone poles in there, you know, which they would stick like telephone poles and obstructions in the beach. So if landing craft came down, it might puncture the hole and, you know, uh, disable the landing craft. Um, so Rommel goes down to Normandy. And Normandy, nobody really thought people were going to come to Normandy because it's pretty far away from England. And that's why, I mean, people thought they were going to go to the Pas-de-Calais because there's not a whole lot of English Channel to jump. If you're going to Normandy, it's a lot more distance if you leave from England in landing craft than it is if you go and, and jump from Kent to the Pas-de-Calais. Kent is the English side, Pas-de-Calais, and then Kent was in England, um, like across the street from. I believe, I think it's 26 miles. I think this, the shortest distance of the English Channel is 26 miles. I went through like a 10-day period when I was 22 when I was like, I'm going to fucking swim the English Channel. So I think it's 26 miles. I'm not sure. It also, it costs like six grand to swim the English Channel in 2011. You gotta buy a wetsuit, and you gotta pay a dude on a tugboat to give you cliff bars on a stick. I don't... I, I, it was a fun 10 days of looking into it, but that wasn't gonna happen. Anyway, so that's the Atlantic Wall. So, oh, I'm sorry. So Rommel goes to Normandy, and he takes a look at the beach, and he has, and he documents this, that he has a feeling similar to deja vu. So Rommel's looking at Normandy Beach, and he's like, oh, what the fuck, why do I feel this way? And then he's taking a look at the beach, and he's, he remembers that these beaches at Normandy look super similar to the beaches at Salerno, which the Allies invaded Italy at the beaches of Salerno. And Rommel knows this. So as he's looking down at Normandy, he's like, fuck, they might show up here, dude. And this is a very lightly defended area. I should do something about this. So not only is the Atlantic Wall lined with these MG-42, which are just incredibly fast and sound 
Like it's like a cheat code, dude. It's like someone. It's like there. There's a hacker in here. He's shooting too fast. I can't believe they have these. But also, Rommel goes down to where the allies eventually pick to land at, and he's like, "Ah, this looks like Salerno, dude. Let's reinforce this." So he ends up putting 3,700 obstacles on those beaches, which, which I think is one for every two yards, and he doubles the amount of troops, specifically at Omaha Beach. From 600 to 1200, and there the troops that were along the the Atlantic Wall, like that was like a, a pretty nice posting if you were a Nazi dude, because you're not. First off, you're not in the Eastern Front with the Russians, where they're just running at you with hammers, dude. They're so mad and they don't care at all. But it's like you didn't expect to fight anybody. They sent new troops here. They sent reserve troops here. Troops who were on vacation. But when Rommel goes down and has that deja vu, he's like, fuck, let's double the amount of troops here. Put all those new obstacles over here. Also, give me all the combat vets you can spare from the Eastern Front. Put them over here because I don't, I don't, it's just for some reason, I got a feeling that this, that this might be a thing. And that ends up being pretty disastrous for the men who have to get out of landing craft on Omaha Beach. All right, so that's the problem we're looking at. All right. We got to solve it. We got to get in there. So how are we going to do it? All right. So Normandy is selected. We don't know that Rommel just went and had like a spiritual experience or some sort of shit from the movie Ghost where, I don't know, somebody jumps in his body and starts moving around like Whoopi Goldberg, whatever. So we select Normandy. And we were also like, they're never going to expect us down here. Everybody knows they're expecting the Pas de Calais. Cool. Let's go for Normandy. Also, we do like that the beaches do look like the beaches at Salerno. Pretty nice for military landing. But if we pick Normandy, we have to really hit home and try to fool the Germans that we are coming at the Pas de Calais. Because, again, this is the the amount of moving parts we're going to have. The logistics is going to take to even maybe pull this off. We cannot have them know where we're landing. Because they, they'll just put all the fucking tanks here. And we might even if they don't have any tanks, we don't know if this is going to work, man. We have got to fool these guys. We've got to pull out all the stops. Does anybody have any ideas about how we can fool the Germans? Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Coming back to the stage, call the top hat, Jasper Maskelin, coming back from Africa. The guy who beat Erwin Rommel in Africa, coming on back because it's D-Day. We need all the, all the tricks we have. Call that magician. Does he have any rabbits left in his shoes? We need him. So they call Maskelin. They're like, all right, nice. We got to fool these Germans. What's going on here? And he's like, all right, cool. We're going to set up a fake military base. Can't wait. And we're going to do it directly across the channel because the Pas de Calais is on the French side. We're going to do it at Kent, which is the English side. I, let me tell you, I got all these tricks. Nobody believed me fucking down there either. I can't wait to do this. I, get, I have a whole English channel. that the, the, the closest they can look at me is from an airplane. I love this game. I'm really good at it. Masculine builds a whole fake base. Fake tanks. Fake trucks, turning tanks into trucks, changing the tracks when you move them around, having troops go, but only a couple, and it's also reserve troops. You're just running them back like it's an old movie that didn't have money for extras, so you had to use the paid actors. They also have fake radio chatter going because they know that the that, that Nazis are going to be spying on them. Be like, well, if this is a real base, are they talking to each other? So Masculine's like, you got to get some fake radio chatter going. Get it going, dude. So people on the radios are like, are you ready to eat chicken and parmesan tonight? Are you ready? Do you want spaghetti too? Did you get bread? And, but it's enough It's enough chatter that it's fooling the other side that they're like, fuck, they are going to come with a pot of calais. Also, I thought this is a really smart move. I mean, not that my opinion matters at all, but George S. Patton, which was... 
widely regarded as the Allies' best attacking general. That's the guy, if we had to attack something, the Germans assumed that we would get Patton to do it. Here's the thing. Patton was kind of in the doghouse at this point in time, World War II, cause, and this did happen. Uh, so he was, I believe he was in Italy, and then there was a, there was like a private who was having a hard time. He was in battle, and he had like um, combat fatigue, I think it's what they call it. I'm not sure, some version of, like, he just was, he was stressed to the point where he's like, I can't fucking see this shit anymore, dude, I gotta go to the tent, I'm, I'm losing my mind. So, guy was having a hard time in the medical tent, but didn't, he wasn't, he didn't get shot or anything, he was just, it was like a mental health issue, so then Patton visited the medical tent, and then was like, I think he called him a coward and hit him a couple of times, um, and then Patton got in trouble for that, and then I believe Patton was meant to apologize and make a speech in front of the guys and say, I'm sorry. So at this point in time, the Allies weren't really using or wanted to use Patton uh, due to uh, political reasons and things like that. But he wasn't doing anything. So the Allies were like, fuck that. Get If they think this is our best attacking general, put him in Kent because there's probably German spies around. Like, I don't want to really like to talk about that, That's, you know, but definitely there's German spies somewhere. So if they're going to see that this is a real military base, we got those guys talking about chicken parmesan, we got all those movie extras going around, get Patton over here. Look, he's going to be a sourpuss no matter what. And Patton didn't like the idea of going up to run a fake military base. But, dude, look, we, this is what we, your country needs you for this right now. So you get up here, you just got to be seen. Because we got to make them think we're coming to the Pas-de-Calais because this is so fucking dangerous and we can only afford to do this once, really. If, we, if this doesn't work out, I mean, we're probably going to have to try it again, but I don't know if we can because we're putting all our eggs in our basket here. This is all we got. So, Masculine's got the, got the diversion in place. Patton's up there, probably being grumpy, but he's okay. So, the initial plan for the invasion was drafted in 1943. And I really like this part of the story because... General and future president Dwight D. Eisenhower was appointed Supreme Allied Commander, which means he was in charge of this whole plan, which means he accepted to be in charge of this whole plan, which I really like because this is such a dangerous plan for Eisenhower to be like, fuck it, I'll be the guy. Fine, I'll do it. I'll take care of the job. Fine, I'll fucking do it. I really admire that he's just like, yeah, I'll do it. whatever. I like that you even shoulder that responsibility because this was, I mean, the night it happened, Eisenhower drafted two different speeches of, like, um, one if it works out, but also one if it doesn't work out. And another part of the story I like is that, like, if you remember, there's no, I mean, this is obvious, but there's no cell phones. You can't watch this shit happening. So Eisenhower was just chain-smoking unfiltered in his office waiting for radio to come back and being like, yo, how's it going out there? Is it all right? The day it actually happened, I can't imagine the kind of stress Eisenhower's like, because you can't watch what the fuck's going on. You just had to put all these pieces in place and cross your fingers that you didn't fuck this whole thing up. I I really like that he adopted the responsibility. It's one of my favorite parts of the story. So the initial plan called for three divisions. Ended up having to use 39 divisions. 22 from the U.S., 12 from Great Britain, 3 Canadian. Okay, George St. Pierre coming in. Uh, And this also included Air Force bombing uh, with paratroopers and naval bombardment. And... So they dropped paratroopers behind, um, like behind the beaches to disrupt communications and link up with the French resistance. But a fun thing they did, they also dropped these dummies that weren't real paratroopers. They looked like American Girl dolls that were heavy with parachutes on them. They dropped them out of planes and they had firecrackers on them. 
And so they would drop these fake parachutes. So they assume that, like, well, if Germans are out on patrol and these things hit the ground, those firecrackers go off. Germans are going to spend how much time trying to kill this American Girl doll we have? Let's throw a bunch of those out of the planes again. We got a magician on this. We're using all the tricks we can. We can kind of only afford to do this once here. All right. Days approaching. So we doing this or what? Eisenhower tentatively scheduled June 5th for the invasion. Now, June 4th, the weather was dog shit. And by dog shit, I mean you cannot run an amphibious invasion in these conditions. We had high winds, we had heavy seas, and there's low clouds. Again, we were planning an, an, a bombardment with the Air Force here, but low clouds. And this is new radar that they were using. The radar they had sucked. So, like... With low cloud cover, you can't really even see what you're hitting. So you can't go. You can't go on the 5th. The 4th is too bad. No good. But problem is, a number of ships with troops left England for this area called Piccadilly Circus, which was an imaginary circle they drew in the middle of the English Channel where everybody can rally up. Like, you meet at the Defert Mall before you go somewhere. You meet all your friends, whatever. When you were young, I'm not meeting people at the Defert Mall now. I'm just saying, when you were in, like, high school, you meet up and you get in. I'm hanging out at the Defert Mall parking lot now. No, I'm just saying, Piccadilly Circus, everybody, the boats already left England on the 4th. And so when they told Eisenhower, you can't go, Eisenhower was like, God fucking damn it. Because if those, all those boats are already out there, and if there's German reconnaissance and it goes, and they fly over the English Channel right now, they're going to see that, like, why are all these boats out here pretty close to, well, if they're going to Normandy, that's where they all hang out. Oh, fuck. That magician's lying to us again. They're coming to Normandy. So Eisenhower was in a bind here with bad weather on the 5th. He was really pressed. So he asked the meteorologists. And Great Britain had a number of ships way up north because the Allies had control of the Atlantic Sea. So we could have weather ships, apparently, that could read the weather. But again, I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know how this shit worked. But they said that Great Britain had ships up north because we controlled the Atlantic. And so we could get a more accurate, accurate weather <laughs> could get a more accurate weather reading of what the future weather was going to be than the, than the Germans could. So the ships in Great Britain relay back and they say, hey, look, it's not going to be, you're going to have a little pocket of weather that's a little bit better on June 6th. But if you don't go on June 6th, then you got the closest we can give you is June 18th or the 20th. I'm sorry. And Eisenhower's like, God damn it, they're going to see us. So it's either we get a little bit of improvement and we go on the 6th or we got to wait two weeks and they might have seen the whole thing and the whole plan's blown. We brought that magician in for nothing. Fuck it. We're going on the 6th, dude. We're going on the 6th. So the morning of the 5th, the way the decision is actually made, Allied military commanders meet. They ask the Navy. The Navy's like, fuck it. Let's go, dude. I love water. Don't even worry about it. But the Air Force is still like, I don't know, man, those clouds are still pretty low, and this radar sucks. We'll do the best we can, but I don't know what to tell you. And that's when Dwight D. Eisenhower takes a beat, and he looks up, and he says, let's go. The guy knew it was all on him, dude. The guy knew it was all, and let's go. How many cigarettes could you smoke waiting for those radio things to come? How are they doing? Carton and a half. How many you got to bring up? All right. So, if you think Wildwood's bad, Omaha Beach, morning of June 6th, 1944. Beach distance, we're looking at 8 kilometers or about 5 miles. Now, the Air Force bombing runs hit nothing. Nothing. 
They dropped thirty-three thousand. Or I'm sorry, they dropped thirteen thousand bombs. Uh, they went zero for thirteen thousand. Didn't didn't hit a fucking thing. Blew up some French goats. I'm sure. Probably hit some cows. Fucked the dude's barn up. You hit no bunkers, dude. You know how many MG42s are out there, and they're still out there. Now, paratroopers were dropped, but they're not going to be able to help the dudes on the beach. They're far away, including dummy parachutes. Got those American girls out there. American girl dogs are fucking confusing people. And also, the French resistance did cut communication lines. They did have a communique that, like, all right, we're going on the 6th. Blow all the shit up you can. Hopefully, we'll come and help you out. If you get captured, I'm sorry. So, 6.30 a.m. If you were in a landing craft going towards Omaha Beach... Uh, it would be you, 30 dudes, and a crew of four, uh, and the landing craft would be a Higgins boat, which if you listen to the uh, history, of the, proud history of the Cajun people, Higgins boat from uh, Louisiana, hell yeah. Uh, but if you're in there on D-Day with 30 other dudes, it does feel like the Chinatown bus of amphibious warfare. It is a fucking nightmare. Uh, also, you are seasick, probably. And if you're not seasick, then everybody else in that boat is throwing up on you, because the Navy thought it was an awesome idea that, all right, well, we just told these dudes, we just briefed these guys that we're going, let's give them a nice meal. So the troops that were going to the beaches got to eat all the ice cream, candy, donuts, black coffee, beans, steak, sausage, they wanted. Just eat everything you want, guys. You're going to battle, can't wait. So everybody's throwing up. The weather's not good. It's a little better. Didn't help the Air Force. Zero for 13,000. You got a belly full of ice cream and coffee. Throwing up. All right. So let's say you're in your landing craft. You're going towards the beach. All right. Ramp goes down. At Omaha Beach, you're looking at five bunkers with five MG42s firing 25 bullets a minute if they want to. Right in that boat you're in, and the ramp just went down. I mean, they told you not to do this, but yo, dude, you gotta jump out of the fucking side of this boat right now, dude. Jump out of the side, because anybody up front's getting mowed down by all of those bullets that you didn't even... These guys have cheat code guns. I didn't even expect any of this. So jump over the side. You're in the you're in the ocean now. You Also, you're still way sick, dude. Why'd you fill your tummy with all that ice cream? You're so sick. Also, your gear is very heavy. Even if you don't have, like, a field radio, anything like that, you're still, I mean, if you're carrying a like a, a heavy machine gun or a field radio, you're, you're way down. So, and you're throwing up, dude. You're at the bottom of the ocean. There's machine guns whizzing around you. All right. Try not to drown. Take all that shit off. Cool. You didn't drown, let's say. Your tummy still hurts so bad. Now you got, I believe it's 1,000 feet. Yeah, it's a thousand feet until you can start attacking the German pillboxes that have the MG42s. You got a thousand feet to go, and you're in the ocean, so you got to start swimming. For the first 600 feet is all those cross uh, obstacles, all these telephone poles, all these spikes. They put fucking mines on spikes to hit boats, but also don't bump your head on one. That's not going to go well. And as you're going this 600 feet past these obstacles, which you kind of have to half swim, half run, Doggy paddle, I don't know, do a backstroke, who gives a shit, you know how crazy this is? Because there's bullets flying past you, all these, you're getting machine gunned at the whole time, and I saw a thing that 
if you were if the machine gun bullet hit the ocean and you were more than three feet away from when that thing went in the ocean, that bullet would be slow enough that it wouldn't kill you. But if it's within a yardstick and that bullet goes in the ocean, even if it's in the water, you got hit by a machine gun, man. That, that, that you know, you were already feeling pretty sick, you know? So hopefully you have your helmet on. I don't know what's going on, but for the first 600 feet, you are getting shot at. And there's all those obstacles. Cool. Let's say you got past that. How about that, dude? This is going so good. But next 200 feet, I got a lot of barbed wire for you. I'm sorry. So much barbed wire for the next 200 feet. And MG42 still going. Yep, they didn't stop. They didn't stop. There's still five of those going at you. Just don't even look around that much. How bet, How lucky are you to be making it this far? Right? So let's assume somebody had a way to blow up the barbed wire. Or there were tanks. This was a cool part. Where there was uh, 32 tanks, I believe, on the Omaha Beach. Oh, I'm sorry, on the, the assault on Omaha beaches, or maybe on all of Normandy, there was 32 tanks. So they made these contraptions on a, on a Sherman tank. They put, like, a canvas thing around the tank to be able to make the tank float and put a little propeller on it, like a, like a bathtub toy. It was pretty cool, and apparently it really worked in testing. Not so great when the weather's terrible and there's huge waves and low cloud cover, and it's a little bit better than the worst weather you could never invade in. 27 of those 32 tanks sink, but that's not all of them. So some of those tanks do make it onto the beach, and some of them were specialty tanks. Uh, there was a series of tanks called Hobart's Funnies. It was a general who was innovative in tank warfare on the Allied side, and he made a number of specialty tanks. Like one of them, I forget what they call it. Anyways, it was one of Hobart's Funnies, but they put a, a roller in front of it, and they put chains on it. It looks like a Mad Max tank, dude. It's so fucking crazy looking. But that thing was meant to be able to spit up and chew out barbed wire. So if they, if one of those made it to the beach, that would help you out. But if not, you just got to figure out the next 200 feet of barbed wire, man. I'm sorry. But you're almost there, right? So you're at 900 feet. One more 100 feet, you're at the beach. You can lay down, and you can start trying to plan your attack on these... On these Germans, MG42s that are still mowing everybody down. So for the last 100 feet, before you can lay down and chill, I need you to run across 100 feet of landmines. There are 17,000 landmines in here. You might as well do a cartwheel or something. Did you get some parkour going? I'm sorry, this might be the worst one. This might be the worst for last, but after it, you got to run across there and then lay up against the wall. If you don't get blown up or you didn't get barbed wired or gunned down by a machine gun or drowned at the beginning, you, also, you've been thrown up the whole time. You can't lay down anyway. All I give, all, the, all you get now is to lay down and you're past all the obstacles and the MG42s don't have a clear shot at you anymore. Your stomach still hurts. I'm telling you, you thought Wildwood was bad. I love this story so much because so many dudes did this shit. They were just like, all right, I'm going. I'm throwing up coffee. I'm going. So how did it work out at Omaha Beach? Well, Omaha Beach was taken. There was a foothold. There was problems around 830. They had to stop the landing crest because it was getting backed up because a big part of the D-Day invasion Operation Overlord is all the logistics that Eisenhower could work out. He was an excellent mathematician. That's part of the reason they put him in place. Like, he wasn't a super charismatic guy. He didn't have a fan following like Patton. But people knew, like, all right, I don't think Eisenhower blacks out. And also, man, is he good at math. Look how ugly he is, dude. How good do you think that guy is at math? He's got nothing but math. Make this guy run this plan. Because the amount of shit... And they also had... I mean, there are other parts to the Allied invasion of Normandy that I, I decided to leave out because 
part of the hard part of this was just picking what shit to talk about because I am such a nerd for all of this. But they had like fake harbors and they had like like fake fuel lines they had to run. They had to make harbors because the Canadians who ended up taking Juno Beach, I believe, the Canadians had a problem with a French harbor because they were running like um, smaller versions of amphibious invasions. Like Salerno was a smaller version of what we thought we were going to have to do in France. There were also commando raids, but one of the raids they tried was to have these Canadian troops attack a French harbor and it went horrific dude like 3,000 Canadians died and from that we learned that like hey we cannot just attack a a German occupied French harbor but anyway so the Canadians ended up taking uh, Juneau Beach I believe I don't know how we got on there I was really surprised Canadians were a part of this yo shout out shout out Rob Ford that guy was the funniest fucking mayor of all time I mean I I know there's other great parts of Canada but when I think Canada my favorite part is Rob Ford at that press conference when somebody asked him, like, did you eat that guy girl's pussy? And he was like, no, I have plenty at home with my wife. Thanks so much. Bye. So, dude, Canada out here representing, taking a beach, having a good time. Uh, so, D-Day plus three, Omaha Beach secured. The Allies did go on to create a foothold in France and eventually drive all the way to Berlin. Uh, we covered the 27 out of 32 amphibious tanks sunk. That's pretty tough. Um Many of the land, uh, also another thing that went bad on Omaha Beach, many of the landing craft hit sandbars like 50 to 100 meters out of the beach. So guys had to jump over the side after getting crushed by MG42 fire with the Tommy eggs and then swim in extra. So you had like a swimming portion of this. So I mean, at the end of it, if you if you had to swim that extra because your landing craft hit a, hit a fucking sandbar and then you had to run up the beach and then you had to murder a guy, that's like a triathlon without the bike portion. You subbed in a different thing for the bike portion there. God Damn, this must have been so difficult, man. And Navy guns would, I mean, there were, uh, I believe there was one naval vessel, uh, vessel, naval vessel that got uh, closer than it should have uh, to how shallow the beach was and just started drilling a bunker because guys were pinned down. Because again, that first way, after 8.30 when the landing craft got backed up, people were like, fuck, these guys might get thrown back in the ocean. Because there was no way to go back. These either had to work or all these people died. Which is why Eisenhower, it impresses me so much that Eisenhower took the job in 43 when he was like, yeah, I'll fucking take care of it, dude. You know how good I am with an abacus? Look at me. Anyway, beach fun established. Um, but, I mean, final score, it's a pass-fail test, you know? We're not grading it 1 to 100. It's a pass. Did it. Beach established. But only 100 of the 2,400 tons of supplies that we intended to deliver got delivered to the shore on that day. But who's counting? Again, this is pass-fail. And if you want to talk about the casualties, Omaha Beach was the worst because of that deja vu Rommel had. In part, but in part, but in my opinion, that's why, because he got that weird feeling. Then he doubled up the troop numbers and fortified the bunkers. Man, what a mess. But Omaha... 2,499 casualties. Uh, Utah Beach was 129 casualties, or 179 casualties. Sword Beach was 630 casualties. Uh, you had 340 dead Canadians at Juneau. And uh, you had 350 uh, British Mr. Beans killed at Gold Beach. So that is the Memorial Day special. Operation Overlord, although, I mean, technically we only did part Operation Neptune, which was only the, you know, the invasion of Normandy, which I ended up only covering Omaha Beach, but I like it, and I really, you know, we did Jonah Arc, we've done a lot of different topics, I wanted to do another World War II one, Jasper Maskelin coming back into play, 
I didn't know that guy did the thing, and I knew they had a fake base. I didn't know he did it. I didn't know that they pulled him after Africa. And it's so funny that Rommel ended up having to go back up against the magician who beat his ass the first time. And he's, dude, Rommel's 0 for 2 against that magician. Anyway, Memorial Day special, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope everybody has a, has a great Memorial Day, man, and, uh, and hanging in there. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you guys later. I'll see you.